Welcome. I'm Taylor Marsh, and this is Astral Soul Lightning, a podcast about making meaning, manifestation, and energies we navigate, how we create through archetypes, symbols, spirituality, and our instincts and intuitions. My expertise? The shadow side of human beings, the energies like law of attraction, and the intersection of culture, politics, and spirituality. Well, a cultural bomb went off this week when the jury delivered their verdict on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Social media had weighed in before the verdict. Amber Heard had lost big time. But she lost this suit the instant Mr. Depp filed against her. Why does the trial and the verdict matter? I didn't watch the trial. I read about it, but stayed away from social media until the verdict was announced. Then I poured through everything to talk about it with you today. You know, this, this trial was so 1997, so I wasn't surprised to see Monica Lewinsky writing about it in Vanity Fair. Attacking women public figures has been going on for decades. Research Hillary Clinton. I wrote a book about the sexism and misogyny she faced in the 2008 primary season, which began in the 1990s, before social media and TikTok. What Ms. Hurd alleges is a serious charge. I don't doubt her claims or the harm she suffered. She admits their volatile relationship turned physical before they were married. Not even a rich, privileged white woman recovers from poop in the bed, damning testimony by a court psychologist and police officers on the scene doubting her claims. It's gotten harder for women, much worse with the internet and social media and the rise of TikTok, something Ms. Heard must have considered, right? Amber Heard's op-ed was the trigger for Depp's lawsuit. She countersued anti-slap law, slap is short for strategic lawsuits against public participation, is meant to protect a person's First Amendment rights when calling out egregious behavior by a company or someone. Filed in Virginia, where the anti-slap law is weaker than California, Depp's attorneys were prepared for war. L. Dawson, a sex and culture critic, wrote on Twitter, quote, This case is about more than two celebrities. It has completely taken over the Internet and warps our understanding of abuse in ways that hurt victims right now. YouTubers, TikTok creators, and even Etsy sellers are chasing the trend and cashing in. That is one thing I looked at and uh, researched before I did this podcast, and Ms. Dawson is correct. The online world of e-commerce went nuclear over this case. Live streaming the trial made for a target-rich environment where accounts were devoted to pro-DEP coverage. Man's rights, boy's rights, the whole online community got involved. The bro culture and his enormous fan base was activated, and social media accounts from TikTok to Instagram ignited an e-commerce downpour. From the Washington Post, quote, 
that umbrella guy, an anonymous YouTuber whose entire channel is dedicated to pro-dep content, earned up to $80,000 last month, according to an estimate by social analytics firm Social Blade. That umbrella guy could not be reached for comment. Oryx said he earned over $5,400 last month in Instagram Reels bonus payments. Amanda Hess writes about the Internet and pop culture for the New York Times. Here's the headline on her article after the verdict. TikTok's Amber Heard hate machine. Television turned the celebrity trial into a 24-hour tabloid spectacle. Social media made it into a sport. Here's a brief snippet. Quote, when the trial ends this week, the elaborate grassroots campaign to smear a woman will remain now with a plugged-in support base and a field-tested harassment playbook. All it needs is a new target. A Vox.com article mentioned the hashtag Amber Heard is a psychopath. As to cashing in, see Rolling Stone for all the merchandise coverage you can stand. Feminists have a challenge. Post Harvey Weinstein, Me Too remains a battle cry. There is responsible responsibility of the woman, too, which can be overwhelming and why many women are now rethinking what they're going to do after Heard's loss. Women who feel they were abused or sexually assaulted or are abused in a relationship are rethinking whether to go forward. That is harrowing. But maybe there's some good that can come out of this? I don't know. As to free speech, one sentence in Heard's Washington Post op-ed sent a failed marriage into war. Quote, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. Amber Heard. The implication in that sentence was her marriage to Mr. Depp made her, quote, a public figure representing domestic abuse. She defamed him by implication, according to the jury. The jury. You never know what a jury might think, especially one that's not sequestered. This is the number one reason Heard lost. Ms. Heard, Ms. Heard wrote the op-ed in December 2018, after their divorce was final, which took a while to negotiate due to their mutual animosity. After 15 months of marriage, Heard asked for $50,000 a month in alimony, but settled for a lump sum of $7 million, which she pledged to donate to two charities, which she hasn't completed. $7 million alimony for 15, 15 months of marriage is not what she was entitled to since there was no prenup. What would my advice have been to Ms. Heard? Walk away. Reason one, Johnny Depp's massive cash advantage. Depp's fan base is huge. The post-Weinstein world of Me Too must arm themselves with police reports, which she didn't have and there's some evidence that she refused to do this. Now, about the shit on the bed from people. This is Depp testifying. 
Then he showed me a photograph of his tele- on his telephone of, it was a photograph of our bed, and on my side of the bed was human fecal matter. It was supposedly a quote-unquote practical joke that had gone wrong. Heard tried to blame it on the dogs. <laughs> I, I can't, I, I can't even. There's, there's no amount of explaining that away. There's no jury that's not going to take that against, miss, uh, against a woman. Now, here's the coverage of the trial in the, in the reams of paper or online uh, pages I read. He, this is the coverage of the trial that got my attention. In 2016, LAPD responded to a call at their penthouse. Quote, we didn't identify a crime, end quote, said the female officer responding on May 20th, 21st, sorry. Quote, here's, here's her speaking. We met with the victim. We checked the location. The husband wasn't there, and the victim advida, advised us that she just had an argument and that she wasn't going to give us any further information. Because we didn't identify a crime, we issued her a business card letting her know that she could reach out to us later if she wanted to cooperate. That's one instance where she didn't. During the trial, Dr. Shannon Curry, a, a clinical and forensic psychologist, said Heard had borderline personality disorder and histrionic personality dis- disorder. She didn't stop there. Quote, this is from the testimony. Ms. Hurd did not have PTSD and there was also plenty excuse me and there was also pretty significant indications that she was grossly exaggerating symptoms of PTSD when asked about them. Okay, now here's uh, the definition of histrionic personality disorder according to the National Library of Medicine. Quote Commonly known as dramatic personality disorder, distinguished by a pattern of exaggerated emotionality and attention-seeking behaviors. Conditions such as narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder. These personality disorders are commonly described as dramatic, excitable, erotic, erratic or volatile. Specifically, people with histrionic personality disorder are typically characterized as flirtatious, seductive, charming, manipulative, impulsive, and lively. These brief examples are devastating to Ms. Hurd, and they were devastating at the trial. Women on trial in public spaces, however, isn't new. Being prepared for the onslaught takes a team, an aware team of what women live with today because of online uh, activity and all the different accounts and the, uh, the true crime nature of all these types of investigative situations that women are getting themselves into. Maybe Mr. Depp Losing his libel case against the Sun for the wife beater label, that's a quote, wife beater, that was what was in the Sun, gave Ms. Hurd a reason to think she'd succeed against his defamation case in the U.S. Ms. Hurd will appeal, but it's not easy to overturn a jury conviction. 
And she knew of Depp's erratic behavior, his high drug and alcohol consumption, before they were married. Women must be smarter. It's not fair, but they must. Getting even can backfire. Ms. Hurd had her own issues, the first of which is narcissism. I disagree with people who say this ver- verdict has set women back. The verdict is a reminder that post-Weinstein, post-Me Too, when a jury trial is the forum and the jury isn't sequestered, the woman better have submittable evidence or she's fucked. Now, we're going to move on from this because narcissism comes in many forms, one of which, one of which is sociopathy. In the research I've done for my psychological thrillers, I've found there's confusion about the definition of sociopath. Quote, borderline uh, personality disorder can be a stage for teenagers, many of whom are prescribed antidepressants, which has become very controversial. A quote from Michelle Carter before Conrad Roy's suicide is coming up. Now, you, this, is, um, this has been turned into a series on Hulu, The Girl from Plainville. And Michelle Carter uh, and Conrad Roy uh, were in the news for a long time. So here's a quote. This is Michelle Carter. It's okay to be scared, and it's normal. I mean, you're about to die. That was a text. She called him her boyfriend. Yet reports revealed they'd met in person two times. Fifteen miles north, about an hour away, is how 2020 described the distance between Carter and Conrad Roy. Michelle Carter was bubbly, an honor student. Her yearbook tag was the person, quote, most likely to brighten your day, end quote. This was Carter's facade. Underneath a manipulative narcissistic shadow side no one saw until texting was Michelle and Conroy Roy's entire relationship after meeting in Florida while on vacation. The false intimacy of social media allowed two teens to connect at their shadow side level. Their mutual agony was the glue. One thing was different. Rob was bright and snared a full ride to college, but was tied to a disastrous home life and a relationship with his father, who was arrested for assault on his son at one point. The era 2020 made, in my opinion, was ignoring the fantasy life playing in Carter's head over and over. She shared it with Conrad Roy. The Hulu series Im- included one of the main motivation of Carter's obsession with Conrad Roy, the TV series Glee. The Romeo and Juliet storyline story and the drama of young love that would give Michelle Carter the attention she craved. Let's start with the texts. Carter, Michelle Carter, quote, so I guess you aren't going to do it then. All that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like, you were so ready and determined, Conrad Roy. I am going to eventually. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up, Michelle Carter. No, you're not, Conrad. 
Last night was it. You just keep pushing it off and you say you're going to do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off. You just have to do it. Do you want to do it now? Conrad Roy. Is it too late? I don't know. Like it's already light outside. I'm, I'm going to go back to sleep. Love you. I'll message you tomorrow. Another series of texts. Conrad Roy. How was your day? Michelle Carter. When are you going to do it? When are you doing it? Sorry. Conrad Roy. My day was good. Michelle Carter. What did you do? Conrad Roy. Ended up just going to work for a little bit, then looked some stuff up. Michelle Carter. When are you going? When are you going to do it? Stop ignoring the question. You can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. Like, I don't get why you aren't. Conrad Roy. I don't get it either. I don't know. In one text exchange, Michelle Carter is coaching him on where to do it and what time of day. Coaching him. Then, another text group. Conrad Roy. I don't know. I'm freaking out again. Michelle Carter. I thought you wanted this. The time is right and you're ready. I thought you were actually going to do it, but now you've just made me feel played and just stupid. Conrad Roy. I don't... I, I do want to, but I'm just freaking out for my family, I guess. Michelle Carter. Conrad, I told you I'd take care of them. People who commit suicide don't think this much. They can just do it. Conrad Roy. I know, I know. LOL. Thinking just drives me more crazy. Michelle Carter. You just need to do it, Conrad. Conrad. Okay, I'm going to do it today. Michelle Carter. Promise? Conrad promises. Carter asks, like right now? Then she goes on to say, quote, and you can't break a promise, suggesting where he might do it. Are you going to do it now? She texts. Conrad says, I'm determined. Michelle Carter, I'm happy to hear that. Then this is a longer text from Michelle Carter, and, uh, uh, I'm going to read it because this is important to understand. Quote, I th to, uh, actually to understand uh, her state of mind and what she was after, in my opinion. I think your parents know you're in a really bad place, she said, according to the documents. I'm not saying they want you to do it, but I honestly feel like they can accept it. They know there is nothing they can do. They've tried helping. Everyone's tried. But there's a point that comes where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you, not even yourself. And you've hit that point, and I think your parents know you've hit that point. You said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer, and she didn't say anything. I think she knows it's on your mind, and she's prepared for it. Everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. They won't be in depression. I won't let that happen. They know how sad you are, and they know that you are doing this to be happy, and I think they will understand and accept it. They will always carry you in their hearts. You have to just do it. You have everything you need. There is no way you can fail. Tonight is the night. It's now or never, end quote. Carter, Michelle Carter, was convicted of involuntary manslaughter and is now out of prison. Her lawyer opted, opted out of a jury trial, so the judge decided. This isn't the last case we'll hear on this, this type of thing. But 
I think there's going to be more and more discussions about the charge of involuntary manslaughter. The truth is, the law, district attorneys, prosecutors across the country don't know what to do with this kind of crime. They are stunned by it. This is something new that is taxing our very legal system. In fact, another death by suicide case from Massachusetts, the same state, involved Boston College student In Young Yu and her boyfriend, Alexander Ertula, who jumped to his death. In Young Yu tracked her boyfriend's location and was present when he jumped off the garage rooftop hours before graduation. Michelle Carter was on the phone with Conrad Roy as he took his last breath. People referred to Michelle Carter as a depressed young girl who had her own issues. People referred to In Young Yu and her boyfriend, Alexander Ursula, as a case of domestic violence. In Young Yu reportedly sent over 47,000 texts instructing her boyfriend to kill himself, quote unquote, hundreds of times in the two months before his suicide. In Young Yu, uh, authorities said In Young Yu was, quote, physically, verbally, and psychologically abusive, end quote, toward boyfriend Alexander Ursula. Here's a quote. Investigators looked through a trove of text messages, the two exchange in which Yu allegedly tells Ursula, 22, to, quote, go kill himself or go to go die and that she, his family, and the world would be better off without him, prosecutors said. Yu also made demands and threats and exercised, quote-unquote, total control over her boyfriend before his suicide. Yu is now in South Korea. The DA is working <laughs> to get her arraigned in the United States. Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy's relationship happened via social media. You and Ursula's relationship was personal, day-to-day. Suffolk County District Attorney Rachel Rollins explained the difference as she saw it, quote, But where I would distinguish, and I think the facts will show in Carter, there was very limited physical contact prior and some very egregious language in the instance or moments leading up to the death. We have, quite frankly, I would say the opposite of that. We have a barrage of a complete and utter attack on this man's very will and conscious and psychic by an individual to the tune of 47,000 text messages in the two months leading up. The district, that's an end, uh, end quote. The district attorney seems oblivious, however, to modern social media relationships and the toxic, magnetic, obsessive, and compulsive side of virtual love affairs, which can be as powerful as live-in relationships, sometimes more honest and more cruel. Many assess the cases as dissimilar, but it depends whether you're looking at the girls or the boys and not the relationship. Two psychologically disturbed Gen Z girls are what the cases have in common. 2020 ignore Michelle, ignored Michelle's, Michelle Carter's obsession with the love and death relationship between Glee stars Leah Michelle and the late Corey Monteith. 
But Michelle Carter conflated the, the Glee characters and tragic death with romantic sentimentalism and tries it on for size in her text relationship with Conrad Roy. Carter, Michelle Carter was obsessed with the notoriety Leah Michelle received upon Monteith's tragic accidental drug and alcohol overdose long after he was released from rehab. In the text I read earlier, Michelle Carter pushes Conrad Roy on timing of his suicide, says he promised to do it, and now she feels used because he has it. Michelle Carter's actions after Mr. Roy's death elevated her persona. She con comforts Conrad's mother. She puts on a baseball, baseball event in Conrad Roy's name, making herself the center of attention. Yet everyone refers to her as a troubled girl. Why is In Young Yu represented as far worse because they had an in-person relationship? It may be another case of the beautiful white girl gets the benefit of a doubt that the beautiful Asian girl doesn't. But that's another subject. The beautiful movie star girlfriend of Johnny Depp was treated like a deranged liar because he was known and beloved through his movies. What stirred me most about Michelle Carter and In Young You cases is the inability of authorities to label these young girls with sociopathic tendencies. Narcissism, lack, uh, lacking empathy, manipulative and controlling women, directing fury at a weaker person in both cases, their love interest. Neither boy could stand up to their vicious girlfriends. Michelle Carter was antisocial with her only relationships online via social media. She used Conrad Roy, manipulated him, coerced him, and pushed him towards suicide through texts by her. Carter's impatience, her feelings of being made a fool, were because she wanted to be elevated to celebrity, like the love between the two Glee lovers, a Romeo and Juliet tragedy she could relive as people flocked around her for sympathy and she confided in others and helped. What Michelle Carter got instead is the shadow side of Shakespeare's violent idea of love. She was left unmasked, blamed, and unloved, a pariah now in seclusion. In fiction, the psychopathy of the character lives on inside them. The troubled young girl syndrome isn't labeled for what it is. No help is received to, to exorcise what is going wrong inside. Few credentialed experts can effectively label the difference between sociopath and psychopathy. The years of research and writing didn't lead me to an advanced degree, it's because it's not my thing, but did enable me to understand some differences through vast amounts of reading and assessments. The sociopath is a brilliant liar, but so are psychopaths. Sociopaths are the loner who can't function in society. These people can act out and announce their illness through behavior. Their love relationships are created to, to service their own purposes. Sociopaths usually don't kill people. They torture. Sociopathy is treatable, but incurable in many. 
Psychopaths don't love. They use people for what they need. The psychopath is the clever manipulator who has no feelings about the other person whatsoever and who's capable of murder, torment, calculating abuse, and causing the death of others through elaborate plans. Psychopathy is incurable and untreatable. If I were writing a thriller about two women characters based on the behavior of Michelle Carter and In Young Yu, the main subject would be psychopathy, not sociopathy. Two young boys dead by suicide after repeated threats by women who didn't stop until their love interest had killed himself. In my fictional novels, this would be psychopathy. Both women were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Find law says, find law says this, quote, causing another person's death through reckless behavior or in the commission of another crime, but without intent to kill. As an expert on the shadow side of human behavior, Granted, I'm a fiction author. The law, the charge, doesn't match the crimes. Didn't Michelle Carter or In Young Yu intend for their boyfriends to die? Did these girls intend to kill them? Carter and Yu wanted the boys to kill themselves. Maybe they thought this would leave them innocent because they didn't kill them with their own hands. The way the girls' defenses worked was they were innocent because they weren't present physically. Even though In Young Yu watched and even though Michelle Carter was on the phone until the very end. In Young Yu, the accomplished student who kept berating her boyfriend until she could be the voyeur to his death. Defense attorney in the case of Michelle Carter's innocence said she was nowhere near Conrad, so she didn't kill him. He killed himself. But again, she was on the phone with him until his last breath. The voyeur psychopath, waiting until the moment she could take control of the situation and rise to the level of attention she felt she deserved. These two Gen Z girls are lost. They are sadistic, voyeuristic annihilators in need of psychiatric help. What made them snap? They, They didn't think their actions equated to the perfect murder, but in fiction, that would be the verdict. What did they feel with the power over another human being, a male, as a teenage girl? Michelle Carter's mother had never even heard of Conrad Roy, yet Michelle said she wanted to spend the rest of her life with him. The way authorities, the press, and the wider public have digested these two sadistic crimes reveals no appreciation for the diabolical nature of teenage girls, of these two in particular. Their actions reveal a depraved character and a thirst for power that mimics psychopathy, whose crimes are done in the dark. 
Their crime was committed amid the light, with text messages as the screenplay to the latest thriller of death encouraged by a lover. Online relationships can seem more powerful than in-person relationships. See uh, chat rooms and at porn sites. See dating apps. The mind takes flight in these amorphous online spaces where truth is adjusted through mood swings and satisfaction is serviced through malignant power fantasies. The internet has changed our lives, but what happened to the three women mentioned today in this podcast was of their own doing. Given what I know about public women being targeted online, Ms. Hurd's choice to write the op-ed, as she did, was not in her best interest. A fatal mistake made by her ego. And where were her Advisors. If I had been an advisor, I would have told her again, I'm going to say it, walk away. Maybe Mr. Depp again. She must have been seduced by that uh, wife beater label from the sun. But the jury finding both parties liable for defamation, with Depp winning tens of millions more than heard, is very post-Weinstein, post-Me Too. That Monica Lewinsky wrote about the onslaught of character assassination targeting Amber Heard dates what the actress meant to do. In 2013, Ms. Heard knew Depp was volatile. Staying with him is very 1990s. If you're a woman who's being abused in your relationship, get out. Find a way, no matter what, get out. I've been there, and there's no substitution for picking yourself over a situation where you'll always be the victim. In the post-Weinstein, post-Me Too era, staying with an abusive partner who's allegedly the love of your life reveals inscrutable behavior. It's hard to understand, especially against a beloved movie star, Rogue, when there's evidence you have serious issues of your own. Women have to be smarter. I'm Taylor Marsh, and this is Astral Soul Lightning. If you're interested in being on my mailing list, just send me an email, astral.soul.lightning. I'm on social media. My website is taylormarsh.com, and my bio is on Amazon. Thanks so much for listening.